Hello and welcome to episode 244 of SMARTS, which as you know stands for Stargirl Mom Adds Reasoning to Squad. Ooh, ah, very good. Welcome. Thank you very much. I am your host, Julia Gulia of Internet Fame, Dash Podcaster, and with me as always is Trevor, aka Rudiger Q, Podcaster. Hello. Hey! So there's a little bit of news this okay, week. Okay, I was about to ask. So we have a little bit of Star Trek news. So we learned uh, just a couple of days ago that Star Trek Discovery will be returning for Season 3 in October. Ooh. This will pick up right after Star Trek Lower Decks concludes its first season for 23 continuous weeks of Star Trek, which might actually be a record. I'm not sure there's ever been 23 consecutive weeks of Star Trek because yeah. even back in the heyday when there were two TV series airing at the same time, there would have been breaks for like the holidays and there would have been reruns and and they would have overlapped so yeah this might be a first so that's exciting wow that is exciting and then i think the plan was to have season two of picard ready to go and discovery finishes in february whenever that'll be Mm -hmm. january february but it won't be ready because they haven't even gotten to shooting yet because of the coronavirus so it'll be probably another year before we see that but at least we'll have that to look forward to for the next little bit yep that's Um, awesome we also got a little bit more information about the Nickelodeon uh, kids Star Trek cartoon that'll be that we'll be getting next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's officially been given the name Star Trek Prodigy, mm-hmm. um, which I feel is a fitting title because it's about these kids who get hold of a abandoned uh, Starfleet ship and take it on all sorts of adventures and learn about what it means to be heroes and yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So Prodigy is a good name for that. That's um, great. No new information about the characters or the setting or the cast or anything like that, just the name and mm-hmm. a logo. Mm-hmm. But so I'm assuming maybe Prodigy is the name of the ship. I mean, obviously thematically it's appropriate, but usually you name the show after the ship. So not always, but yes, I'm guessing that, well, usually when there's a, like a prominent ship, like the exceptions, the exceptions like Picard are, where the ship is secondary to the character, but in all other instances, it's been about the ship or the station, so mm-hmm. or the generation. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then we have a little bit of comic book news. So we learned this past week what Tom King's next big uh, project will be. You know, his he loves these twelve issue uh, sprawling miniseries. First, Mister Miracle, and now Strange Adventures. And then in October, so obviously overlapping with Strange Adventures, but in October from DC Black Label, will be getting a 12-issue Rorschach series from Tom King. Ooh, you mentioned this, and I can't wait. So this takes place in present day, so, you know, several decades after the story of Watchmen ended. It's unclear whether this is in the same continuity as the Watchmen continuation stuff in Doomsday Clock. Mm -hmm. My guess is probably not, just to let him do its own thing, which is fine. Like, it can have several possible futures, and there's the one that's sort of canon to the DC universe, which I guess is Doomsday Clock, and then there's the one that's off in its own separate continuity. So yep. that's fine. But that's exciting. It's a be a different kind of character for him because he's not really written that sort of hard-boiled... I mean, he wrote all that Batman stuff, but his mm-hmm. Batman stuff wasn't really like hard-boiled detective stuff. Maybe I'm assuming that that's what Rorschach will be like because the R- Rorschach sequences in the original Watchmen had that sort of feel. But if this is a different guy, which it's going to have to be, then who knows what sort of feel it'll have. But be interesting to see him do something a little different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited about that. I am too. So that's it for our news. Wow, great bit of news. What was your comic of the week? This week I picked Batgirl number 74? 47. 47, wow. Dyslexia. It's a real thing, everybody. Um, in this one, she basically faces off against the Joker, which is so powerfully written and executed, and it was just a really compelling read. It was a real 
page turner or panel turner or however i would compliment the comic real pad tapper (laughs) that's right a real pad tapper oh my gosh i think you coined a new phrase that's hilarious because we read it on our ipads anyway um basically she is on to the fact that somebody is stalking in her apartment fairly early on but you see all these creepy horror show elements of her going about her business then discovering that she's not alone and then um continuing to pretend to go about her business while forging a plan then facing off against basically like the worst assailant that you could have in your house and then not kicking his butt but definitely not letting him win and it was a really really powerful awesome read it was great it was really great um so that's why i picked it for my comic of the week very good how about you what'd you pick so I picked Batman number 95. This Ooh. is the big kickoff, the official kickoff to the whole Joker War storyline. And this mm-hmm. was a great that start. Fun, so yeah. Joker's taking Batman's fortune, his company. He's he's having him, you know, slandered in the in the press mm-hmm. and by the by the city government and the, as much of the police force as, as he's able to exert pressure on. You know, it seems like Bullock is, is kind of holding the line because he knows what's really up. But it's he's sort of coming at him from all sides. He's got his gadgets and his Batmobiles and his secret hideouts and yep. his company and his money and everything. Um, so it's really interesting take on their, you know, their conflict that we haven't really seen Don't before. Don't forget Lucius Fox. Right. He's got Lucius Fox all trussed up and torturing him and punchlines there. And so I'm from the from the previews and the upcoming covers and stuff, it looks like this is going to be the first time in a while where he sort of assembles the whole bat team, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. including seemingly Nightwing. I guess we're, we're finally getting Dick back as like in costume Nightwing. Yeah. We'll have to keep reading Nightwing to see how that happens. But uh, sort of marshalling his forces against Joker. But yeah, this is an interesting... And the whole conceit here is that Joker not so much figured out that he's Bruce Wayne, but kind of revealed that he always knew. It's just that only now is he actually choosing to do something about it because he sort of decided that he's he's had it with this whole cat and mouse game and he's going to come at him for real mm-hmm. um, and sort of take everything that's his and turn his city against him and destroy the whole thing. So, yeah, it's a really interesting concept for a story between the two. And this is all leading to the big number 100 where I guess big things will go down and it'll really change up the status quo. And the art, of course, by Horse, Jorge Jimenez. Horse Jimenez. Horse Jimenez. Which is the equine version of Jorge Jimenez. Mm-hmm. Um, he stomps his art onto the ground with his hooves. Right. It's yeah. like how they used to put peanut butter in Mr. Ed's right. mouth to exactly. make him look like he's talking. They smear peanut butter on his hoofs to make him draw the comic. Right. Exactly. Um, and he does. He did pretty well. Yeah. I mean, the colors, the colors and the inking, you know, can save a lot of it. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's yeah. only so much a horse can do, but and he, he equits himself well. Equits. Yes. Equinits. Did you enjoy it also? Yes. Very good. I mean, your your pick this week was kind of a was a Joker War tie-in, also. So it you, was. Seems like you're enjoying the crossover. So, and of course, over in Nightwing, he's coming after Nightwing mm-hmm. too. Yep. Um, I'm not sure where else we're going to see. I'm not. I don't. I think Red Hood is ending before it kind of ties into that. Mm-hmm. What else do we have? Maybe Teen Titans. It'll tie in if he comes after Damien in some way. I'm trying to think of who else is out there. We don't really have a lot of Orphan. Yeah, but so she doesn't have her own book for that to cross over into. I'm trying to think of what series would tie into it. Detective is tying into it also as he tries in the past. This this week in Detective Comics, he turned. Uh, I mean, it depends on. He how... turned the the Talons against Batman. Yep, that and, was great. And Two Face, so mm-hmm. there's a tie in there also. But there's not a lot of other Bat Family members that have their own books right now, so there's not really a lot of potential tie-ins to be had. But Red Hood and the Outlaws. Yeah, but that's ending in a couple months. I think yeah. they're finishing up their storyline there, and and that's ending before it can tie in. So. 
I mean, he'll be, I'm sure he'll be in this storyline, but it won't be over in that book. Right. Yeah. Well, it's fine to keep it kind of more self-contained than some of these crossovers can get. Agreed. Kind of sprawling. Yep. Agreed. Yep. Yeah, so that you was re- a good one. You ready for your activity? Ready. So this week, because we had some Star Trek news, I thought that we would rank the Enterprises. But I thought we were going to do Gundams this week. No, we'll do that some other time. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll When you least expect it, everybody. Okay. So we'll rank the Enterprises. Okay. So there's, of course, the... A, B, C, D, E... And no bloody A, B, C, or, or D. D. <laughs> no. um, there's the Enterprise NX-01 from Enterprise. Yeah. Right? Then there's the original Enterprise, and then the A, B, C, D, and E. So go. Rank them. You have 12 seconds. One, what about the J? Two. What about the J from the future? We saw it. I, it occurred to me to put that on there, but I decided to only include like ones, one. only include ones has... that we'd seen for more than 30 seconds. Oh. Fair enough. Yeah, we only saw the hallway. Although we from didn't that. see very much of the B or C either, but it was more than thirty seconds at least. It was okay, a whole. It enough. was a whole sequence in both cases. I go, A original Enterprises thing. Hold on, wait a minute. Yep. Slow, slow down. So Enterprise so, A is number one. Right, which is the one the from, original from gener- from Next Generation. No, that's D. Then D. That's my number <laughs> one. Okay. Okay, then the Enterprise, the original one. The then, original right. one, okay. Uh-huh, and then the Enterprise is Enterprise. Okay, the NX-01, all right. right. And then you've Do you got even remember what the A, B, and C are? C, B, and A in that order. You're going to put... So the A is the one from the last few original cast movies. That's the one they get at the end of the Voyage Home. You're going to put that one above the B and C, which we only... A is see. on the bottom. Right, sorry, that's what I meant. You're going to rank that below the B and the C, which we only saw for a few scenes and weren't even commanded by, weren't even crewed by people we care about? Because C was the one from yesterday's Enterprise, right? Uh-huh. That's the one with Captain Garrett and um, Chris McDonald there as the, as the guy yeah, that Tashiar falls in love. Yeah. And the B was the one that was uh, captained by Alan Ruck at the beginning of Generations that Kirk died saving on its maiden voyage to rescue Guinan and the others from the Nexus, Right. Fine, so A goes above I'm those I'm surprised two. that you would put the one I don't remember from... A, so that's why. So but do you remember all... B? You remember, you I did remember, remember B, B from the beginning of Generations? Um, yeah, I, I remember B. We saw less than C, and so I put C and B. True, but we saw A for yeah, but two, I forgot two movies A. and change. Yeah, but so. I forgot A, so okay. that's why all right. I A. So I didn't really So care. that goes above those. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What, where did you put E? Did you, or did you I didn't even e? order E. <laughs> I don't know well, what E is. put it in there. E's the one from the next-gen movies. Because, of course, the D is crashed into the planet at the end of Generations because Troy loves crashing Enterprises. So the yeah. E is the one we got in First Contact, Insurrection, and Nemesis. And it's presumably still out there somewhere as of the time of Picard, captained by, who knows, Worf or something. <laughs> Little. Um, so fine. So that goes below. I, it just seems like you're ranking time. them based on screen time, basically. Is that really all it is? Like the more you got to see of it? Because it seems like a pretty strong correlation. The series that, at the running time of the series or the number of movies the ship was in, the higher it ranks. It seems pretty much a one-to-one correlation. Because the Enterprise D got, you know, a hundred and whatever many next-gen episodes, right? The original Enterprise got sixty or seventy some odd original series episodes. The uh-huh. NX-01 got sixty or seventy Enterprise episodes, and then the E got several movies, and the B and C just got a few scenes. So it seems like pretty much a one-to-one correlation with screen time. Is that basically your criteria? Like the more familiar you are with it, the... Yeah. Yeah? And the more I like it. 
Can I have a lollipop now? Well, he seems like he, he seems like <laughs> you're a little overwhelmed. <laughs> seems like you're you're easy to please because it's like oh I I saw I got to see it a lot so therefore I it's don't fine. yeah I mean I don't respond to the design. If I were maybe on a bridge crew like a bridge crew officer and I'd be like you know it'd be really great if this console well, there are had design, this feature then I, I would maybe put a little more. I don't depth I don't into I don't blame you for not caring making. too much about like the exterior of the ship because they all kind of look similar. Yeah. But you know a lot of people will look will say that the Enterprise D bridge for example didn't aid people like to say it looks like a, a cruise ship in space you know everything is brown and there's carpet everywhere whereas compare that to like the nx-01 which is like a submarine in space right or the or the enterprise e which had a little bit more of a uh-huh. a, a, a colder more militaristic aesthetic like there's a lot to be and of course the original series enterprise which had all the blinking lights and the, I like the, the red lights. and everything yeah that was fun. so there's determinations to be made based on the, the aesthetics of the interior even if you can't tell them necessarily apart that much from the exterior yeah but you you like the the d interior yeah even though it looks like a big 80s hotel in space yeah okay okay <laughs> your should, turn should i do my rankings yeah <laughs> so, the, the, so the d would probably be at the top for me also uh-huh um just but in my case i'm not sure i mean I'm not sure it has to do with running time so much as it, just the fact that that's the one that i grew up watching the most me too yeah that's fine Okay. Um, but I don't think I would put the original Enterprise up that high just because I didn't grow up watching it. I really like the E. I think that the E look... I wish we'd seen it in more than just a few movies. Yeah. Um, same with the A because we just saw the exterior briefly at the end of The Voyage Home. And then there was Final Frontier, which nobody likes to watch. And then Undiscovered Country. So really, we only got like one good movie that people like to rewatch out of the Enterprise A. Um, True. So I would say maybe the, the D, then the E, then... The NX-01, then the A, then the original series, then the B, then the C. Because the C had Christopher McDonald, but the B had Tim Russ and Alan Ruck. Ooh. So. Now you're just basing that on cast members instead of like the aesthetic design of the ship itself. Yeah, but the crew goes a long way too. It does. It really dresses this place up. So that'd be my ranking. Okay. So should we move on to our shows? <laughs> awesome, yeah. Okay, so we've got a couple of episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and then we've got Stargirl and Doom Patrol. Okay, I'm ready. So Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I think the most recent one we watched probably stands out. We, you know, we've got a couple of each of these, but I think the one we most recently watched is is uh, a real standout episode. Yeah. I, you know, I'm a sucker for time loop episodes. Star Trek has done a million of them. Seems like if you're a, a genre show, you've got to do... I'm sure, like, has there been... I'm trying to think if, like, the... the have the Arrowverse, the Flash must have done... Legends did one. Legends did one when uh, Zari first joined the crew. She was stuck in a time loop. That was like the Get to Know Zari episode, original Zari. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if Flash ever did one. That seems like it would. I mean, it's really more of a Legends thing, I suppose. I don't think Flash has really done one. Um, but it's it's definitely a trope. Yeah. But this was just a really good. So good. Really good. Excellently directed. Very well written. Great yeah. performances. Well done to um, Elizabeth Henstridge. <laughs> Which sounds like I'm drunk, Henstridge, but that's really her name, and she's awesome, and uh, I'm a big fan of hers. Honestly, I was, 
I was really, really, really happy for her because not only did she, this is the first time she's directed an episode, she also was in it and a considerable amount. Not like, not like I, I love Katie lots. I'm sorry, but to, to use her as a benchmark, but, um, and she did a great job on the ones that she did too. But when she popped in, she's like, okay, I'm going to go do this thing on the other side of the ship now and not be seen for the rest of the episode because I'm directing it or I'm preparing to direct the next one or something like that. Like it wasn't that it was, she was she was really integral to the content of this episode as well as being so awesome at putting it together behind the scenes and I just I can't get enough it was so well done and she put her own voice in it too like some of the low angles that I got she used a Dutch angle here and there she used it from above and then from below ha it's really well done (sighs) really well done okay I don't know how much of that was her like her own stamp and the fact that that any competent director when given that script would say I'm going to have to vary the angles and the shots because the whole the only way this episode will work like if you're seeing the exact same uh-huh. scene from the exact same angle every time it's yeah. going to get boring and repetitive so you do have to switch it up a little bit I feel like that is just right that's kind of a given based on the episode as written like you kind of have to direct it with with a little bit of flair just to keep it visually interesting or else it just feels too redundant yeah definitely although although it takes obviously a skillful director to pull that off i'm really just saying does. that i don't I think can't I don't, the first it wasn't exactly job a, she had was a time i'm just saying it wasn't exactly a bunch. once in a generation you know no. lightning bolt out of the sky. wait i'll film things from from unique angles it like that literally has different names that i was just using like dutch angle and you know from above and whatever else other nonsense that i said it's it's definitely not new, but the way she arranged it and the way she framed things were definitely different than other episodes that I've seen. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and yes, it does have a lot to do with the, the theme of the episode, and I'm sure that's where a lot of it came from. And maybe some of those ideas weren't even hers, but they were, I don't know, they were just unique, and I really like her style because some of that seemed to come through. Like, some of it had a different feeling. Um and I can't put my finger quite on it. I would have to watch it again to really dissect what my favorite ones. But I'll tell you one thing. My favorite shot, and it's definitely not like anything crazy special, but her very her decision to spend most of the time at eye level but low to the ground when Enoch was dying, that was different. Because like you could easily film that from like kind of a top-down view to make everybody feel... Um, small and powerless in the moment and that's what a lot of death scenes kind of look like but here she stayed with the characters and I thought that that was really interesting and important and effective because it made you feel the pain of his loss and it made you drawn into the conversations that they were having at the end about loneliness about going first about choosing death versus having it thrust upon you and the same about life Um, it was it was very special and I that was my favorite scene and so what I'm crediting her with in that that's the one that sticks out in my mind most as because even the establishing shot was on the ground it was like the camera was super low it was where everybody was kneeling it was from far away you saw all three characters you saw them slightly boxed in by whatever it was like the table of the uh, um that was in the center of the room that was in the way and boxing sort of adding an additional frame to it i just remember it so specifically and i remember that choice being different than what i've seen because usually you see a top-down view as an establishing shot but here it wasn't it was at eye level with your characters and it made you participate a little bit more i don't know I, director brain turned on in that moment and it was like oh wow great 
the that <laughs> I just remember that one. And the way the lines were in the shot and the perspective. I could go on and on. I could go on and on. Okay, but anyway, I really was a huge fan of this one episode. And of course, the content and the writing, and it was so good. <gasps> what do you think about Sousa and, and Daisy there? I mean, at first I'm like, he's a million probably, years old. <laughs> probably twice her age, but it's it's fine. I mean, it's a weird sci-fi show, so people are, you know, they're gonna there's going to be some weird pair-ups. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's fine. I think that it was, I think it's, I mean, it's certainly fast. They've only known each other for like four episodes, but I think that it's, I think that the actors sell it. Yeah. Because I think, and, and it helps that we have such a long history with, because we saw Sousa for two seasons of Agent Carter yeah. right now. Yeah, and that m- matters. Most of a season yeah. here. And we kind of know, we kind of have a sense and of for, who for he both is of them, like character. who who who, who would be a good, who would be a good fit for them too, yeah. like he he's he he clearly has a type. She <laughs> she's sort of fallen for a bunch of different guys over the you know the bad b- oh, bad boys yeah. and then you know good go- good guys who turned out to be bad. Yeah, and, she was into Ward for a while. That's but right, it. I but I think that this is sort of I think this is supposed to be since they know the show is ending and we probably won't see these characters again if they do end up together i think that they've sort of said you know what let's sort of show how much she's matured that she's like attracted to like a good stand-up guy now he doesn't yeah. have to be some rebel or yeah. someone who's bad for her or yeah. whatever you know yeah <laughs> yeah and oh. it's nice that we get that closure for him too and exactly and i think that it's nice that they <laughs> of course one or both <laughs> of them so could cute. die by the end of the season yeah it, wouldn't, it actually wouldn't surprise me if they killed him off like I, she i don't think she's going to kill i think she and colson survive well colson has already died and might die again but what i was going to say is i think they're the two like faces of the show yeah i could see colson they could i could see them like deactivating or destroying this lmd colson by the end but i bet that daisy survives because she's kind of like the one if anybody had like an arc over if the if the show Mm -hmm. seven seasons like any one character's arc it would be it would it's either her or colson and arguably colson's arc has kind of ended already and now we're following somebody different arguably yeah um, so I think she's got to be the one that comes out of this um, alive. But it's not to say that they couldn't kill Sousa, especially now that he's sort of unmoored from history and it doesn't matter, matter as much what happens yep. to him, right? Um, so Stargirl, so we got two episodes, Brainwave Junior, which mm-hmm. was the one with the really sad oh, ending. Man. And then this most recent one, Shining Night. Yeah. So what do you think of these two episodes? I love both of them so much for so many different reasons. First off, I love that we followed Brainwave Jr. for the whole time and you did not see his end coming. It was traumatic at the end. It was terrible um, and heartbreaking, but also so inspiring. And everything they wanted to be was totally accomplished in that episode. And I love how the team was coming together and how they all sort of butted heads, but then had each other's backs and... Oh man, the themes of the episode were so good. And then you have <laughs> the reveal of Stargirl to her mom. Um, and then the the repercussions of that in that episode. And then this one as well, the um, the Shining Knight episode has another follow-up. <sighs> meanwhile, the ISA is planning stuff. And also, meanwhile, the actor who plays... And I, I have to learn his name because this is not the first time that I've seen him. I'm... We're both Film Riot fans, and so I saw um, one of Ryan Connolly's previous films, short films, and the actor playing The Shining Knight was in it, and he was he, he did a tremendous job um, on that movie, and I remembered him from that, and then I remembered him from another, like, kind of a Q&A they did. Um, and so when I was watching The Shining Knight episode, I was paying attention to him even more, and 
he's just so good. He's just so powerful. And he portrayed a vulnerability, confusion, determination, strength, loneliness. Everything was just covered. And I'm so glad that Pat is helping him now. And he seems to be recovering a little bit of his memory. And we know that it's a combination probably of brainwaves, manipulations, machinations, and also the Dragon King had to have something to do with it because he's remembering those guys as his antagonists and he's attacking you know our heroes under the hallucination and oh it's just good stuff um and then you see jordan get really bad like icicle was kind of becoming sympathetic and then now and then at the end of um the shining night episode he just solidifies to us why he's a bad guy Whoa, so good so good what about you what do you think yeah, I thought they were great. I think that, I mean, I, I've always liked the Shining Knight character in the comics, so it's cool to see more of him here. I think, <laughs> there are eight of them in the photo. <laughs> I think that the, yeah, the thing with uh, with Henry's death at the end of the, the previous episode was really well done. I like how he had a, a really complete arc in just those couple of episodes, really. Yeah. I also like how it, um, it helped to characterize the other characters, too, because even just earlier in that episode, they were, they were at each other's throats, practically, about whether he would be allowed to help them or not right and then there in the end when it was clear that he was in real danger they were all going all out to try to break through those bars to save him even yolanda you know and, yeah. and rick who who didn't want to give him the time of day either yeah it shows that it shows what good people they are that you know they recognize this, redemption this, when they see you know see we don't it they, we yeah. don't necessarily like this guy but, but he's, he's on our team and so we're gonna risk our own lives to save him you know yeah um yeah, I think that was a good bit of characterization. And then in this one, I think a lot of the, the best stuff. And Jeff Johns wrote this second episode, and I feel like it's 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 it was important for him to do so because this was such a Courtney-centric episode, more yeah. than maybe the last few have been because this was the whole one where her biological father shows up. Yeah. Um, those those scenes were great. That actor did a great job. He kind of kind of lulls you into thinking that he's kind of On a... the up and up. That he's and, kind and of changed, to, that he's yeah. kind of a sweet guy deep down by the end. And then... As soon as he starts talking about the lockets, you kind of see it like, oh, is he just here yeah. for the, you know what I mean? And like, kudos you kind of see it coming. Her being smart enough to get on the on on the thing, and she's so generous, so kind because she knows it's a scam. She knows she'll never see him again. She I don't know if it was out of generosity. Serious. I think it's like, but she gave it to him, and well, at I the same time, the reason why the reason why I read it that she gave it to him was because. She kept it because she had this, she kept it all these years because she had this idealized version of who her dad was, even before she suspected he was a literal superhero. Yeah. She thought, you know, the way that all most, you know, all kids do who don't know their parents. Oh, I'm sure he he must have had a good reason. He's out there and one day he'll he'll come back and see me and we'll live happily ever after, right? Like it's a child's fantasy, but you never really, she hasn't really grown out of yet. Um, and that's why she kept it and she never took it off. But then she, he comes back and when she sees in that moment, like who he really is. Yeah. It it loses its Power. meaning for her. Yep. Like it, now it's just a thing, and she she'd rather not have it because it's just a reminder of who he really is. Yeah. It's not that she was being generous in that scene to me. It's it was also just that, that she, she was just, just she, moving she's on. like now it meant nothing to her, so he might as well have it. Right. You know, like she yeah, literally moving on, which is why yeah. I think the perfect scene to follow that that up with is she goes inside and pat is there just mm-hmm. being pat yeah saying you know if you need uh, to yell yell rail, at me do whatever i'm here angry. i'm here for whatever you need always and she just hugs him and it's like that's that's the moment you need because that is and that's why jeff johns had to write that episode because it is literally that's that's literally the scene where pat becomes her dad yeah like that's literally what yeah. that scene is mm-hmm. and i feel like that's why it's so important for him oh, i'm getting that. choked up it was um, such a good episode it had so many good moments and then it, it's followed through you know at the end when 
she kind of and to me it was a little fast like she kind of went through a, a whole dark night of the soul thing with the yeah. staff not working for her and then finally getting it to work for her it again. was a crisis of confidence in like 10 crisis minutes. of identity I feel like, crisis of everything but I, like that's a real act two of a three act like everybody's yeah. at their lowest point the injustice society is ascendant they've killed henry we don't know what to do yeah they they know they might know who i am now brainwave has his memory has his memories, memories back. back the staff won't work for me i feel They're like planning something i feel like really you want to get huge. at least you want to get at least an episode out of that whole like okay things are really bad now i know and in, and instead she has like her whole thing where the staff won't work for me and then she gets her mojo back like 10 minutes later so that seemed a little rushed it was a little rushed but i'm i'm trusting the episode because we don't really need to spend too too much time and and not it, only that but i think it worked it was a, for me but ba- yeah, i think it worked it, because of yes. it worked because the the performances and the direction and yeah. the music really sold it yeah. as you know like you can like she's there she asks her parents to come down yeah. with her because like them. they're part of her you know they, they're they're part of what gives her strength and they're yeah. there to support her and they're both there now they both know right you know they're on her the same mother team. knows the yep. secret now mm-hmm. and they're all on the same page and that's kind of what gives so all that worked and then shining night comes down and has that nice line and the music swells and the effects are great and the camera pans around like i think that really sold it but it was just you know is if, if if it had been done just a little less effectively yeah. that would have that would have been like it seemed i love quick the fact that the light from the staff was so strong and so blinding that everybody but courtney had to turn away because it was too too much yeah and i love the little effect that they i love the the time that they took to make that scene happen where they did the extra shots where it's reflected in her eyes and where she's you can see you don't see her entire face obviously you only see her eyes but even her expression is just so full of hope and you can see that coming across and then of course the actual effect of it being reflected in her eyes was really beautiful and the camera going around around everybody and and then shining night's follow-up line the queen has risen ah it was just really good it it yeah it was very very well done it was a very effective pull and then in Doom Patrol, so we had Space Patrol and then Dumb Patrol. Yeah. <laughs> so Space Space Patrol, the Chief and and Cliff go into space to get Dorothy back, and we meet. That was great. Um, I'm trying to think of what they call themselves the 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 off brand Challengers of the Unknown, oh. which included um, Valentina Vostok, the Negative Woman. Yep. Um, so Larry gets some great scenes with her, and then we get some good scenes with Dorothy on the Moon, and then the Chief ejects <laughs> Cliff into space to make his own landing yeah. so that he can go and sort of this pilgrimage to where Dorothy's mother lived and where he used to live and sort of figure out what to do there sort yeah. of commune with the, with the spirits of there. nature or yeah. whatever and then dump patrol everybody gets infected by what do they call them snurts sports <laughs> that was the cartoon with the underwater sprats something like that no it was the yarts or something wasn't it no something. spr is in there somewhere ah, it doesn't matter um, Sporg? I don't know. They get infected with these little things that may turn them into idiots, and so everybody starts behaving really stupidly. Yeah. And there's some, some definitely some funny scenes from that. Um, yeah. Blanking on the Is it Samantha? No. What's the name of Jane's new dominant personality? Miranda. Miranda. I was close. Um, I knew it was someone from Sex in the City. <laughs> um, she's not affected but yeah. but but her other personality well yeah i guess it only bit. afflicted if afflicted afflicted <laughs> it only Flick. affected flit that's funny um it only affected one of them which i guess makes a certain amount of sense although you think it would only affect the one who was dominant at the time and inhaled it and then if she switched to somebody else they would not be affected well i thought i'm mm, 
the science is yet to be revealed on that one because technically their body is the same and it's right you would think it would either would affect right. all of them none of them or the one that happened to be active at the time but instead it was none of those three things so yeah. it was a little confusing i think it's miranda's power because it seemed to be i mean yeah I we only saw could fl- be it i thought you're saying I it thought, affected everybody yes, but miranda I yes guess it could be true because for example when what's her name came in I thought it was a pretty good takedown of the queen. In that scene, um, the one that can talk with razors coming out of her mouth. She didn't seem to be affected. She was completely un- in character to yeah, me. Yeah, she was. She wasn't like, what am I doing here? Like, I'm, what word should I spell? Yeah. Um, I don't know. <laughs> That's true. And then we get at the end some indication that maybe Miranda is offing the other yes. personalities one by one in some way. I'm not quite sure how that benefits her. Maybe she just wants to be the only personality so she can be primary all the time. I think so. And not only that, but she claims to know what the girl wants. And maybe... Well, that's easy enough to say. I understand, but maybe what the girl wants or what Miranda feels that the girl wants is to be unified and whole again. Do you know what I mean? So she's getting rid of these personalities because ultimately she's going to let the girl go back into control as the sole and only personality. Mm, I mean, there could be. Who knows? That's why. It's raising questions, obviously. Um, so that's my guess. That's where my money is going. But that Miranda is wrong, though, that Kay wants to stay where she's been for, you know, years um, hidden away. Um, but we'll, we'll see. I don't know. I thought it was interesting, too, because Jane, at one point in the previous episode, went to Kay for advice and to actually ask her what she wants to do. And it's kind of powerful that the dark mirror personality that the other primary contender Miranda who clearly has some other agenda um she is the one claiming to know what Kay wants so that's interesting I think that's um incredibly telling and a big hint as to the relationship so it's interesting um and also don't forget Ronnie um Ronnie Ronald what's her name Ronald McDonald. Ha, 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 ha. Um, Cyborg's girlfriend. Yeah, it's Ronnie, isn't it? Ronnie. Yeah, okay, good. Um, she was smart enough to smuggle away some enlightenment for later. So that's good. That's fun. Um, I thought, oh, man, I continue to love the chemistry between the two. Because even as their stupid selves, they have a little bit of, I mean, the relationship going. But also they are both behaving so stupidly. But they're also, like, doing it together. Um, and then out outside of the stupid infection they are such warm cute adorable they're so adorable together and quick that's what i want to say quick like there's this effortless togetherness <laughs> that's hard to say <laughs> um that both of them have as actors and as actors together in the scene it's just it's so (laughs) it's so fun to watch because it feels so real um i just i'm gonna look up these people's names and memorize them as well um so (laughs) that's the highest compliment i can pay anybody is to actually study long enough to remember their names (laughs) oh god i'm sorry my names are not my forte (laughs) anyway um I mean, just really fun show. Oh, oh, don't forget that uh, fake John Constantine there has now uh, an order to kill Dorothy. Yeah, non-Constantine. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of got the, kind of like the uh, Garrick to Quark thing. Like, I'm yeah. not going <laughs> to I'm not, not going to say I'm where. not going to do. Yeah. Uh, just leave it up to me. You'll be surprised, right? Uh-huh. uh-huh. Um, yeah. 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 
Um, Although we don't know if he's going to kill her or just make her disappear yeah. and just, like secret her away in some magical pocket dimension by herself for all eternity or something, which is as good as dead. But yeah. perhaps the chief could take some consolation in the fact that she's actually still alive somewhere. Right. Feels like there's yeah, got to be some he, sort of magical move you could pull where you put her in like a happy wonderland dimension or something, right? Where she never wants for anything. Right. There's got to be something like that. I don't know how it was in the comics. That's a you question. Do you know? I don't. Because you, you, well, you in the were... comics, the two weren't related. Oh, Dorothy was just was another weird person that would that was part that of that was team, sort of adopted by the team, out, yeah, sort okay. of like surrogate daughter for the team. Huh. But she wasn't related to the chief in any way, so he never went to really any great lengths to help her. In any way, I mean, I, I think the whole huh. thing with her personalities and the candle maker being a really bad one yeah. was was in there, but and you know everybody was worried about that once they discovered the deal. But the chief didn't really go to—I don't recall him going to extraordinary lengths to save her because he would have had no more reason to help her than any of the others, and he was responsible for the others' conditions and sort of turned against them all at the end of Grant Morrison's run. So, yep, yeah, so none none of that is really in there. But I mean, it, it's—I think it was a smart change for the show because it gives. The chief some real emotional stuff to play you know right. he's he's more because the first season he was largely off the table and we saw him mostly through flashbacks and stuff because he'd been kidnapped by mr nobody right here he's either just going to be being secretive or being manipulative or like apologizing to everybody all season for the stuff he did last season or you give him some skin in the game by having him actually be emotionally invested in partic- one particular Character. aspect of the mm-hmm. plot so yep. i think it was a smart change yeah that was good, and it's it's very compelling because even though he's credited as a guest star or a special star or well, an that's just like star. Matt Ryan being credited as special guest appearance by on Legends oh, of Tomorrow. Yeah, they're a re- he's a regular, but it's some sort of contractual thing where he gets special billing. Yeah, because he's you know special because he, he was James Bond, <laughs> Timothy Dalton, not Matt Ryan. Oh right, yes, <laughs> I was. You jumped back over. Okay, yeah, I, I'm with you. Um, yeah, no. So but he must have amazing. a good agent because yeah. that was like 40 years ago, but still. Hey, yeah, uh, still. And his movies weren't even that good, and he was only in two of them. I liked them. But I did too. I like all, I like all the James Bonds. So that's true. I do too. James um, Bonds, James's Bond. <laughs> James Bond. You right. just have to put an effective thing because uh, an S ending name is its own plural. Just for your sake. <laughs> that's it for our shows. <laughs> Ridiculous. Um, oh yeah, yeah. So if you want to reach out, we have an email address: mailbag at smartspodcast.com. Our website is www.smartspodcast.com. On Twitter, we are at smartspodcast. On Facebook, it's facebook.com/smartspodcast. And um, we don't have a Patreon page. <laughs> um, let me see. How about a funny sound first? I don't have one. Oh man, how about make a wish? Ooh, that's creepy. 